Hello, everyone. This is Xander Brothel with the Revenue Growth Architects podcast presented by CS2. Thank you so much for listening today. I'm very excited to welcome our upcoming guest, Matt Kronk, Director of Marketing Operations at CS2. Matt, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. Yes, very, very well. The weather in Minnesota is pretty nice lately. It's been a little warm, but I'll take it. How about you? Uh, well, uncharacteristically cold for us here in California, but that's probably still warm by uh, by your standards. So, um, <laughs> yeah, it's it's actually beautiful. Normally, it's in the 90s by or hotter by this time of year, and 70s and 80s, and uh, got a little wind to stay comfortable. So, yeah, it's it's great. That's perfect. That's perfect. You're probably wearing a parka, but I'd be wearing my shorts. So <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, awesome. Thanks so much for joining today, Matt. We are uh, talking about an interesting topic, and that is why should you go about tiering your MQLs? Uh, we've had a previous conversation around lead scoring where we where we you know went into the nitty gritty of how we recommend doing it here at CS2. Um, and one of the topics that we didn't really go into a great detail on was how to treat your MQLs if it should be any different. So I'm excited to have you on today. Thank you so much for giving us some of your time to share your experience uh, around this topic. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm definitely excited to talk about it. It's, uh, you know, I, I think this goes hand in hand with that last conversation we had about about the scoring. And it's like, you know, what is the point of scoring? It's It's to be able to prioritize uh you know follow-up yeah to be able to understand how to follow up or how to how to spend your day and this is really just an extension of that so it's it's a perfect uh perfect little bit of a marriage there or uh to, to talk about these two two things together so um yeah i i uh definitely am excited to talk to chat a bit um yeah why should we cheer them like what's what's a benefit um, I always like to think like, what's the benefit to our buyers? What's the benefit to our clients if we should choose to tier? And then how do you go about doing it? What does that look like? Yeah. Yeah. So I think, um, yes, you probably should tier. That's that's the short TLDR. We we can end it there. Uh, yes, you probably should. Great to see you. But <laughs> yeah, good, good chat. Um, yeah, no, I, I think as as we kind of dig into it, uh, really, this is, you know, the, the purpose of why you would think about tiering it is really to um, to provide a you know a better buyer experience and to be able to provide your sales team uh, with the ability to provide that experience. Uh, and so, um, you know, when you think about that experience, the way I typically think of it is uh, you have people that know that they're MQLing and you have people that don't know that they're MQLing. Uh, and so uh, the ones that know they are are the ones that are asking for you to follow up. So this is going to be your contact us or request a demo or, you know, any of those, uh, sometimes people call them hand raiser type of activities. Um, so, you know, I think that it's really important that when somebody is, is coming to you and telling you that they want to talk to you, uh, there's a couple things that go along with that. Number one, you want to make sure that absolutely you do. Um, yeah. and you want to do it immediately. Like you don't, you don't want to wait. Um, you know, it, this is, not only is it an, an amazing revenue generating opportunity and your sales team should be jumping up, you know, jumping up and down uh, at that opportunity, but also this is, um, this is also a really important moment to, uh, 
to help express to that prospect what they can expect from you as an organization. So should they expect that when they reach out, it's going to take two days? Should they expect that when they reach out, it's going to be a clunky process and there's going to be this back and forth and you know all that kind of a deal? Or should they expect that when they reach out to you, you're immediately on it, you're making it as simple as possible, and you're and you're connecting? Um, ideally, the, the latter is this, is a situation. And so, from an operational standpoint, uh, we need to support that and help those people rise to the top um, of you know your list views or your queues or your alerts or however you're doing this. Um, they need to get to the top of this. So um, that's the biggest reason why uh, I would you know, tier those or flag them as separate from the rest of the MQLs um, is to enable that that kind of experience to take place. Um, yeah, absolutely. You can establish unique SLAs. So oftentimes when I'm working on, you know, SDR, SLA management, we'll have a path for our, some people call them P1, tier one, hot. There's a multitude of names that you can use, but, but you're going to have SLAs for the folks that are indeed raising their hand. Uh, versus folks that are not expecting that outreach might have a little bit longer. So that way you can prioritize your time on the folks that are raising their hand. Um, what's different though about the, so so it makes sense, get in front of the people who are expecting it. Um, but yep. what about for the folks that are not necessarily expecting the outreach or requesting the outreach? Um, how might you use that data to treat them differently? Yeah. Yeah. So I think you raised a great point that, you know, the, because they don't know they're MQLing, there is maybe a little less urgency there. Um, you know, I think there have been studies that show that, you know, if, if you reach out to somebody within 15 minutes of them being on your site, engaging with your content, they're more likely to connect. So there still is a level of urgency there. Um, but it's not as pronounced because it's not that that person didn't come to you asking and they don't know that you know they're ready to talk. Um, and so uh, there's a little bit more grace there. So I think... Number one, to your point, like maybe having a more forgiving SLA there um, is appropriate. Um, but also in terms of like when you do go to reach out to that person, um, it's going to be a very different conversation because the, the first one wants to be contacted. So it's a perfect way to say like, hey, you asked to be contacted. What can I help you with? Um, versus the other situation, you know, they maybe were just interested in a piece of content and they don't want to talk to somebody because or they don't. They're not sure if they want to talk to somebody because if they did know, they would have asked to, right? So yeah. it's a lot, um, it's a lot softer of of an entry point, um, and it's going to be really important that you um, you approach them as a problem solver um, and as somebody who is connecting, uh, basically trying to trying to probe more and connect their engagement to why you're reaching out. So if they engaged with. Uh, We'll again use the idea of like a some con some content on your site, um, and that's what causes them to score in to become an MQL. Um, you know, using that as a soft opening and, and referencing, hey, it looked like you re read this this article we had. Um, you know, are you dealing with X Y Z topic that we talked about? Are you dealing with the the pains of that, or do you have an initiative similar to what we talked about in that article? Um, so it's a lot more contextual in the way that you would address it. Um, and so just really, um, you know, not only do you want to tier that MQL so that the sales team knows that, okay, I've got to do a little bit more contextual cues when I reach out to them, but also like provide them with that context. So you're going to want to provide a way for them to understand what that person engaged with 
whether that's a notes field or interesting moments or campaigns or what, you know, however you want to communicate that, it's important that that sales team has that that ability to know the context. Uh, and ideally, more than just that last touch, because a lot oftentimes when we're seeing people who are scoring into their MQL as opposed to hand raising, if they're scoring in, they may have a longer history with you. They may have had some lower level engagements um, that you know did not qualify them. But now this is kind of that tipping point. Uh, and so having the awareness of seeing like, okay, they're interested in product A because look at all the things they consumed about it. Or they're really interested in, I don't know, like so, some specific feature. Um, and so you can sort of look at that pattern for them and, and make make that relevant in your conversation. Absolutely. I mean, it, it also helps when your SDR teams are coaching, um, you know, any of that, you can you can really start to break these things out because sometimes if you have an SDR that's just crushing it, but you realize, well, you know, 80% of that person's leads are coming in from a hot P1. Well, no wonder why that person's crushing it compared to the next person who's getting 20% of their leads that way. So it's just like, it's a really good way to still also help provide visibility um, for your teams. Yeah, so absolutely. Speaking of that visibility, right, you, you get a benefit from the buyer's experience. How do you get benefit from like analytics or reporting from an internal perspective? Yeah. So this, so kind of that, that exact point you were talking about, like, um, for example, if you're, want, if you're wanting to understand why is, is a given SDR, you know, crushing it and the other one's not, um, being able to break down some of those, those reports so that you can see just first of all, so that all of your MQLs are tagged as being a t like a hand raiser or a non hand raiser. As um, you can start to get an idea of that volume and see if things are being um, kind of evenly distributed, um, yeah. or maybe even you have different different teams that are responsible for those different types of, of feedback. Where you know you have a hand raiser dedicated team that's great to responding to that, and then separately you kind of have a little bit more of like a your traditional like inbound kind of team that's you know waiting for um you know kind of like your farmers almost just so, so to speak um yeah so you could maybe break it into two different teams and route based off of that that tag um but in terms of like the analytics portion of this um not only can you now try to look at the resourcing and if sdrs have um you know have uh even allocation the way that you will want them to be um you also now can look at, you know, your volume velocity conversion to try to understand, um, you know, are, are my hand raisers converting more quickly than my non-hand raisers? Uh, probably the answer is yes, but you want to really know that they are. Um, you want to be able to understand if your hand raisers are, uh, not only are they converting more quickly, but are they converting at a higher rate? Um, so, and, and both of those you would expect to see probably a higher conversion rate and a higher, uh, yeah, a higher velocity, fewer days uh, between yeah. when they MQL um, and when, you know, they progress through the funnel. Um, so, you know, being able to stamp that onto whatever lifecycle tracking mechanism you're using, we have a few different ways that we talk about that. I, I think you uh, just recently spoke with uh, Joy about some of that. Uh, if, yeah. If I remember. Yeah. But yeah. Um, so yeah, there's a few different ways you can, can track that, but if you can uh, really clearly understand and kind of divide those two groups uh, into your reporting, 
now all of a sudden you can optimize appropriately uh, because um, you know if you are finding that certain non hand raisers are uh, really having a hard time uh, converting at all, or maybe they're taking a long time to convert, maybe that's a signal that you know your MQL criteria could change. Maybe they actually aren't really qualified yet, and they need a little bit more nurture before they get in front of sales. Um, and so being able to objectively look at that group in isolation and not have your metrics kind of skewed by the the hotness of the people that are uh, coming to you, raising their hands, uh, is is a really helpful thing to be able to see. Yeah, I would agree with that. And and if you just bucket them together, your your averages get so out of whack, right? You think that you're probably doing worse than you're than you are in many areas, and then you feel like you're doing better than you are in in other areas than that. Um, one of the things that I like to do is when we think about P1s, tier ones, um, we think oftentimes about like request a demo, contact sales, web forms, but you don't have to limit it to digital, right? You can, you can use, utilize these, um, these different rankings for your events. Oftentimes I will break out my, my different statuses into people who are saying, yeah, please contact me, um, versus people who are coming to the booth and they're having good conversations. And then sometimes I might even break out just, I always call them the swag bandits, the, the people who are coming in just to get something, get a t-shirt, um, usually me at an event. Um, and you know, it's great. You got their, you got their booth scan, but let's not, let's not waste your sales team's time. Uh, working those folks. And then you can help to prioritize accordingly, even for your offline activities. Yeah. Do yeah. you have any recommendations on how to like activate this in your systems? What's worked really well for you from a, from a build perspective, anything that could help our audience if t today they're just going, Oh, I just have MQLs and I've never actually, you know, had the opportunity to build this. Yeah. So I think you, you raise a great point about like having having some kind of a status that correlates to it in your programs. So you know, in a in a con, uh, let's see, like in a web, in a web, uh, in a web. I'm sorry, in a web program, um, you might have a status that indicates like the requested contact, um, or it may you know it may even be a, a dedicated program type all on its own in that case. But there are going to be some programs where it's not a dedicated program. So to your point about the events. You're gonna have a status that's specifically saying like, okay, I've got my event attendees, but then I've got my event requested contacts. Um, yeah, and so you really just um, to keep things uh, really clear and easy to manage, I would recommend starting there, making sure that you have a status that even like maybe is labeled that way, or is just clearly that like this status is used for people that want to be reached out to. Um, and so, um, you know, that's where I would start. Make sure you have that. Uh, and then once you have that, you know, you probably also have, are going to have global scoring campaigns that uh, ideally you're going to have global scoring going on uh, that is going to be, you know, providing a score that corresponds to that status. Um, that's also a great time to be able to uh, stamp like a hand raiser date. Uh, so if this is going to be like a tier one date or a hand raiser, whatever your hot, whatever term you want to use, um, that's a great point to try and try to consolidate that. And whenever that happens, 
you update that date with that moment in time. So it's a way for you to see when did they do this. And now all of a sudden that you have that date stamp, uh, you have the ability to use that as now a trigger to um, when they go through your MQL process, you can evaluate, was that date today? Great, they're a tier one. Was it not today? Okay, they must have scored it. Um, so that's like a really easy kind of way to start with this. Um, and I think the the immediate kind of next question is like, well, what about people that, you know, are, uh, you know, maybe they MQL'd as not a hand raiser and now they are raising their hand as well. Or maybe they've done it a few times or something like that. Um, and that's where I want to like kind of stress too that yes, you want to stamp, like you want to tag your MQLs, um, but you also want to have separately um, and uh, a way to alert your team um, of that taking place, um, even if they already are MQL. Because I sure as heck want to know that if I've got uh, an MQL that's already in the funnel um, and they want to, they reach out again uh, and they're saying they want to be contacted, man, I, I'd absolutely need to follow up on that. And you don't want to lose that because they're already an MQL and you can't re-MQL them or don't want to re-MQL them. So really, I'm just making sure that this is not only going to be tied to their MQL uh, tier or uh, yeah, grade, whatever you want to you know call this, um, but then also that it's tied to to an alerting process for sure. And and we've all been there, right? We have a sales accepted lead. It's been sales accepted for 12 months. Person left the company oops, we didn't close out the life cycle on them. If you're somebody who's like requesting to be talked to and your only uh, way of doing that is through a funnel of like the very first time that they raise their hand, uh, that's a terrible experience for your buyers. So making sure that you're, su you're supplementing that across uh, whatever technology that you have to support that is really, really key. Yeah. So you mentioned having a timestamp, something that I really like to do when I'm working with clients is have like a pick list. So oftentimes I will have it be like sales ready type or MQL type. And then that's where you can differentiate between I go hot versus warm versus sales. And and we get into that conversation in another podcast. How, how do you differentiate between marketing and sales? But it is just really useful to be able to take it for each of those and be able to report on it differently. Um, yeah. And we've kind of talked about some of those benefits. So I think, you know, hopefully if you're listening to this, we're, we're going to make this one a really nice short and sweet episode. Um, but hopefully if you're listening to this, you're seeing some of the benefits to actually building this out in your system and having a way to differentiate. I assure you that you will learn something new if you are currently just bucketing everything into one and trying to figure out what's working and what's not working. This is a very, very straightforward way to to really, you know, even further optimize within a campaign type. If you find that you are only getting a small percentage of your event leads that are actually hand raisers, and that's the reason why the conversion rate's so low, maybe you have some coaching for people that are at the booth to really try and set those meetings at the booth. Um, if you are finding that all of your web and, and all of your web traffic is coming from a very specific channel um, and over half of those are coming into your accelerator forms, we'll figure out what that journey looks like and how did they get there. Uh, definitely something important to, to focus on. And by tiering your MQLs, you have a great way of 
keeping it all together. Matt, before we end the call, um, are there any gotchas or any risks that you would want to call out for our audience to just be mindful of? Um, it's a good question. I think, I think the, I mean, depends on how far in the weeds we want to get here. I think, <laughs> I think keep things relatively higher level. Not really. I mean, it's a pretty, it's a pretty approachable, you know, ad. Uh, if you don't have it today, um, you know, it, it doesn't take a whole lot of infrastructure to get there. Um, and to your point, like I, I like to use a date stamp and then use that to also then oh, create cool. a pick, you know, to, de to determine the pick list. So the benefit of the pick list is that now you have a pick list and it's easier to filter and easier to, you know, create the dashboards that you want to create. Um, so like that's definitely a benefit. So I would recommend doing both. Um, I mean, I don't think there's a whole lot of gotchas un unless you want to dive in, like really dive into like, how are you going to stamp this? Like, are you stamp how, how you're tracking your life cycle, how you're handling your order of operations, you know, is this going to be stamped in time for how you're tracking all of that? Like those start to get a little bit less about this specific issue and more about just in general, your architecture, um, which is a fun, fun conversation too. But I think in general, um, there's not a whole lot of risk here. Um, you know, and, and you hopefully don't even need a whole lot of buy-in from other teams. I mean, obviously try to get buy-in, um, but something like this, you know, if you have teams that don't care so much about it, they can ignore it. Uh, yeah. But if you do care about it, you know, you have now the ability to start running reports, start understanding the things that you maybe didn't understand before. And it puts you in a better position to maybe a month from now, you'll be armed with some data to now illustrate that, like, we actually should have a different SLA or a different way that we're approaching our events. Um, because this is the data that I've been tracking, uh, you know, on my own kind of thing. And it, yeah. like I said, it doesn't take a lot to do it. So uh, not a lot of gotchas. Just just go do it. Uh, it's, it's totally worth it. Yeah. I like that. I like that. I will I will double click into the little bit of the gotcha that you brought out. And you're right. It has nothing to do with actually doing this. But if your process is using this information to do different routing, alerting, anything that might come from an order of ops perspective, just just test it. Right. It, it is easy to set up. But. If there's other things that are leveraging it, I, I would say that that's been the biggest gotcha for me is making sure that you're accounting for any of those edge cases. But that's that's like any change that you would make into the system. Um, yeah. But definitely, definitely useful to learn from us and not have to find that out for yourself the very first time. <laughs> very true. Yeah. Just go go in eyes open and test it first test it twice and three times and uh yeah maybe you'll have somebody else look at it too because they'll see it from a different perspective uh, exactly so yeah absolutely well matt thank you so much for your time and and thank you for listening to today's episode um definitely a little bit shorter of an episode than i've done recently but we're we're kind of experimenting with giving some maybe some some tidbits of information that might be very valuable for you so if you enjoyed today's episode, please do give us a review. Um, we are the Revenue Growth Architects podcast presented by CS2. We greatly appreciate you listening to us today, and I hope that you have a wonderful day. Thank you.